0: We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Suite C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Because we, at the beginning of the year, we're actually going to be tithing to the Kabachinkos. Uh, the Kabachinkos are actually in, um, and let's see if I get this right, they're going to be in Sochi russia but they're in i want to say novosibirsk or in abkhazia is where they're actually they planted the church they're actually from grace calvary chapel um and so wendy and yuri um and it's a amazing to see what god is doing there uh and they they were here that we spent quite a bit of time with them um me and wendy get along really well because she's she's her family's from Hawaii, and so we just, you know, and Frank, her her dad is amazing. Me and Frank would, Teresa would worry about. I would have to go close the church up because Frank would have class, and 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 Frank would be like, "Hey, Mike, I'm done," and so I'd go up at 6:30. It'd be 9 o'clock. Teresa's like, "What happened?" It's like me and Frank were talking story. That's what Hawaiians we love talking story. And so we, we were just sitting and just chattered together. And that's how windy is as well. But um, what I'm going to do is probably at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll talk to you all about why. So it's still the 10% is what we tithe. But you all have to understand is that like when we do that, we're, we can't ask you to tithe if we're not doing it as a church. And just think about it. You're part of the blessing that's happening in Mexico. And you're part of the blessing now that's going to happen in, in Abkhazia, Russia. And in that area of Russia. There are actually two churches. They're leading the church in Sochi. And then they're in Abkhazia on Saturday. Sunday at Sochi, Abkhazia on Saturday. This, Yuri's actually, because you know why? They kicked all the Russian. If you, if, if you were a pastor... And your education did not come from Russia, you cannot teach in Russia as a pastor anymore. So guess what Yuri is? Yuri is a Russian citizen who is a pastor, whose education comes from Russia. So he's in high demand right now. He's actually helping two churches out right now, leading one and and helping the other one. And so, you know, it's it's amazing to see. There's a lot of stuff going on over there Um, that... you know, y'all think we got it. It's, it's. We don't have it half as bad, and you know? all. So just keep them in prayer, and I'll talk to y'all more about that. Uh, and and then eventually, what will happen is, hopefully during the um, during the Christmas break, I will try to get um, the on the website. There'll be a place for the missionaries, so you can actually read their stories and connect with them. And, and, and Wendy and them would love, I mean, they, they need prayer. They'll, they'll send you out what the, what's happening on a weekly, on a monthly basis. They're very good about that. And then Oscar, the next time Oscar's in town from Pacto Mexico, is going to teach. And so y'all will actually get to me- meet Miss Elizabeth, who's a joy, and Oscar as well, um, and, and just to hear what's happening and how that church is growing in leaps and bounds in Mexico. That church came from Pastor Hector, who's on our board, who planted a church in Guanajuato. And they found out they had people driving an hour from Guanajuato, from Itopato to Guanajuato, just to go to church. And there was a desire to have a church there, and Oscar went down there and planted. So it's, it's what God is doing. So keep it in prayer, and we're a part of it. We're a part of it. We're a part of the blessing. It's amazing. I, I love that. So, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. Only a couple verses, but a lot to cover today. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, just this day. We pray for those that uh, are, are going through just the stressors of, of the holidays. Uh, we pray that, uh, that you would be able to allow them to lay down um, just the, the worry, the stress, uh, whatever the anxiety that's there to, to be in your presence to hear your word um, we ask Lord for application for us as we look at one of the most important questions we have to answer in our life uh, we thank you so much for uh, for all that you're doing we pray for those that are preparing to to head out of town and those preparing to come home uh, we ask Lord that you be with them and and uh, get them back and forth safely and uh, we thank you so much for this this church and just what you're doing and we do pray for the cabochinkos and the gallegos and the churches in ito and also in the church and in, in abkhazia we ask lord that you just continue to do a mighty work because they're your churches including this one uh, we thank you for all that you're doing and we ask these things in jesus name amen amen also uh forgot communion sunday so if you're watching online, uh, go grab your crackers and your juice, or your bread and your juice, so you can take communion with us. So uh, I entitled this in Mark chapter eight, verses twenty-seven through thirty. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And then we'll look at it in three parts. We'll look at it in verses twenty-eight and twenty, twenty-seven and twenty-eight. The people's opinion. Uh, About Jesus and then we'll have in verse 29 the personal opinion about Jesus And then finally in verse 30 the precise warning from Jesus Uh, Today as we prepare to enter into Advent season uh, This is going to be one of the questions that you have to answer as a follower of Christ And if, if you're not a follower of Christ you have to answer it anyway This is a question that everyone will have to come to terms with at some point, humanity will be judged on the answer of this question. And, and so, it has consequences, eternal consequences. And Jesus is asking this question. And for us, unfortunately, when we look at the way that the world sees Jesus, there's more of a, not a biblical view of Jesus, but a view of Jesus that we've created. And I'll talk about that. And we have to be very careful with that. There's a biblical view of Jesus, and that's the one you need to be able to answer. who do you say that I am and then there's a world view of Jesus, and the world view of Jesus thinks that he's just a good teacher or uh, I think I read something this week that said jesus seventy two over seventy percent of people believe that Jesus was a created being, like somebody had to create him and which is if you read Colossians chapter one, you find that's that's not true he always was there back in genesis chapter he's always existed and and so there's so many uh, concepts of who jesus is that's why we deal with it at the very beginning the people's opinion about jesus because there's a lot of people that have opinions about it in mark chapter 8 verses 27 it says and and jesus went with his disciples to the village of caesarea philippi Now, that's important because this area, remember, they left, and after he healed the blind man, uh, the one true God, the anointed one, the only one, Jesus said, heals the blind in Bethesda, they go 25 miles up the Jordan River to Caesarea Philippi. Now, this area was actually named after uh, Caesar Tiberius, and and there was many idols worshipped of false gods here, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time just talking about this because this is very important. Mark kind of just gives you this three, these four verses, like boom, and this is what happened. Matthew gives you a whole, a whole verses, and it, and it it represents why he did this at Caesarea Philippi. It's very important. At uh, Caesarea Philippi, you had the Syrians, the Romans, and the Greeks all worship and have temples in this area where Jesus is at, where he's asking this question. Who do you say I am? They worshiped a, a god by the name of Pan. He was a, a, a false god, a deity of, of mythological half goat, half man. And they believed that he was the God of the shepherd of the flocks of goats. And here we have the the shepherd uh, John 10 11 I am the good shepherd Jesus I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep very important what happens to the goats it tells us Jesus tells us that in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 it says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne sit on his glorious throne and before him he will be gathered uh, he will be gathered all the nations he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left and let's look at what happens to the goats in Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 it says then he will say to those who are on his left depart from me you you uh, you cursed into internal fire prepare for the devil and his angels. Truly I say to you, as you uh, did not do it to me, and these will go away into the internal punishment by the righteousness of internal fire. So you have the, the Greek God of Pan, the shepherd of goats. And you have the, the, that's why the I am statements are so important in the book of John, right? I am I am the good shepherd, and and, and, and it tells us, you know, as we look at this and we talk about there's the Syrian gods that are being worshipped. And you also have the, uh, the, the Caesar worship that's happening there as well. And so this area was dominated by false religion and false gods. And it's not by chance that Jesus is here because it says, us, yeah, it tells us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, and Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Caesarea Philippi was known as the gates of hell. This area where this cave was, was known as the gates of hell. Jesus didn't just, this is not by chance. He's he's in this, particular area because of the detestable things that were being done in sin as they worship these false gods and he's asking that question who do you say i am in this cave they, they they thought it was a gate to the underworld the water would flow out not like these curtains the water would flow out out of the wall until there was an earthquake and then it eventually came out of the back of the mountain but there were, they believed that the fertility god took residence there during the winter. And there would be screams and, and, and uh, things because there were deep caverns in the cave. And it was known as, as Hades, the underworld, the gates of hell. And so it's very important to, to understand that this is the exact place where Jesus is having this moment. And asking this question. And I'm telling you now, it's, it's important for us to understand because a lot of us would probably think there's no way that you would have these many different cultures and these many different nations that would come together and worship in one place. But it's happening today. It's supposed to open up in 2022 in, the, in, in Dubai and the UAE. There's the, the church where they have the synagogue, the mosque, and the Catholic church. And the Pope has signed off on it. And, and I, I want to read you something. that it, This is what it states on their website. It says, Besides these three places of worship, the site will include cultural center that aims to encourage people to exemplify human fraternity, solidarity within a community that cherishes the value of mutual respect and peaceful coexistence, While the unique character of, our, of each faith is preserved I don't know about you But God never told me to coexist I am the way, the truth, and the life The only way you come to, to the Father is through me You can't preach Christ At this place You cannot evangelize You will be put in jail You will be given fines And they will deport you So how could the Pope Sign off on this? It's, I'm telling you, we're moving towards a one-world religion. And, and so you think, well, this would never happen. It's happening. It's, it's a one-world one world system that's, that it, it moves us closer to the second coming of Christ. And so Caesarea Philippi is still happening today. It's still happening today. Because they don't, even the Muslim religion and the Jewish religion, don't believe Jesus is, is God. Neither one of them do. Can't have a cross. You're not allowed to have many Christian symbols in the church. I mean, come on, who signed off on this? It's, you should really start to look at your pope, if you're Catholic, and start really questioning some of the stuff that's been happening. Now, I'm telling you this because I, I used to be Catholic twice a year. That was the only time I went. But at the end of the day, somebody's leading you astray. And if somebody's leading you astray, you need to wake up and see that there's, there's false religions. There is there's something being set up. And for somebody to say that, hey, we're going to coexist. Did you see that there's nothing even written in there about God? Like, all three believe in God, at least God. But there's not even, like, for the, the, the mantra or whatever it is that they believe, they're just are talking about coexist, and they're talking about uh, unity and, and solidarity. But there's nothing. Exemplify human fraternity and solidarity. How about, where's God at? You know, it's, this is what is happening in our world today. So it's very important when we look at Caesarea Philippi, you had tombs and places of worship, three, at this place. And this is where Jesus is asking this question. And so he's asking, what is the popular opinion about Jesus? So he says, and on on his way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? He's wanting to know what the people's opinion is. Now, he, he was also praying about this beforehand. We know in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says, Now it happened that he was praying alone, and the disciples were with him, and he asked him, Who do the crowds say that I am? And, and on, in some versions, whether it's the New King James or the King James, it actually says that he questioned them. So he was continually asking them, Who do you say that I am? I mean, Jesus has been with them. We we are midway through the Book of Mark. When we when we finish into next, when we get into the rest of Chapter Eight, we move to the Passion, to the Cross. And and I've already given you enough evidence to prove that He's Christ. I haven't. The Bible has. The Bible has. We've seen that he's performed miracles. We've seen that he teaches with authority. We've seen that he has divinity, and we know who his true identity is. And 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 Jesus is trying to prime the, the pump the way a teacher would, like before the test. Hey, these questions may be on the test. What do the people think? And one of the questions that was asked is it's, it's in, in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13, it says, "Now when Jesus uh, came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is?" That is a direct reference to Daniel chapter seven, verse 13. It's a direct reference to Daniel 7:13. He's given them, it goes back to Scripture in the Old Testament. In Daniel 7:13 says, "I saw in the night visions, and behold with the clouds of heavens." Of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him. The son of man is referred to over and over in the Bible, and Jesus uses that uh, most frequently, referring to himself. And we know that it deals with his humanity and his sacrifice and his relationship to the fallen world. And and one thing that we need to understand is that there are over 300 passages in the Old Testament that foretold of Jesus's coming, the Messiah. There there's no way you can get around this. And and when we get into uh you know Advent, next week we're going to go over a lot of those. As we do it the next few weeks. Hopefully, you know, you'll have a um a, a good, strong foundation to be able to answer this question and be able to engage people about it. Remember, this is a, a transition that's happening. He's going from private ministry now, from public to private ministry. This is what's happening. He's going to spend more time sowing into the disciples, so that's why he's, he's preparing these questions for them. And it gives us a little bit of insight in that in John chapter 25, verse, uh, John chapter 12, verse 35 and 40, John 12:35 and 40, it says, "So Jesus said to them, "The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, be, believe in the light, that you may uh, become sons of light." And when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And I'm afraid that's where a lot of people are. You know, we talked about signs and 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 wonders this past week. What does a sign do? It directs you to God. It's it's a it's a stop sign, to to. To let you know, hey, I'm God. There's something here you need to learn. or There's something here you need to to turn away from that. That's what signs do. It's signs and wonders. But even as they saw all the miracles and all the unclean spirits cast out, and Him teaching with authority, feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000, they still didn't believe in Him. And I hate to tell you this, but we talked about spiritual blindness last week. It's the condition of the heart. And that, that condition of the heart has a lot of people that sit in church and have not truly answered the question of who do you say that I am. And you go, wait a minute, Then come to church and do that? Yeah. I did. We used to go to church. I could tell you, hey, uh, yeah, I remember Jesus was born in a manger. I could tell you more about Santa Claus than I could Jesus which is sad that was my upbringing but I knew Jesus was born in a manger I knew little tidbits here and there but I didn't know me and Teresa were talking about I had no clue why he died on the cross and I was in Catholic Church I went to catechism school had no clue and, and so for us you know a lot of people see see the Lord moving but they still don't believe. They don't believe. Now many people had opinions about Jesus. The scribes had an opinion of Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, verses 22, it says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons. He cast out demons. The, the crowd of a, a 5,000 had a view of him in John chapter 6, verse 15, perceiving that, that they were about to come and, and take him by force to make him king. King, political king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The Syrophoenician woman had an opinion of him and called him Yes, Lord. But she answered in Mark chapter seven, verse twenty eight, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eats the children's crumb. Even the disciples when they first met him had an opinion of him in John chapter one, verse forty one. He found his first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translates means Christ. Mistakenly, they didn't understand who they found. They thought they found the political leader that was going to take over Rome. Not save the world. Not save us from our own sin. They didn't understand. And unfortunately, a lot of people have a distorted perception of Christ. Popular opinion of Christ is not something that you need. You need to have a personal opinion of Jesus Christ. Popular opinion of Jesus Christ will lead you into mass thinking. And you go, well, wait a minute, man. Popular opinion is a good thing, right? No, it's not. You see a lot of people that are in a mass that are following things they shouldn't be following. And they're going along just... And sadly, that's... Eventually, those will be the same people that will take the mark of the beast. They just... They just go with public opinion. It's it's something that we have to think about. Public opinion today about Jesus says that uh, the Jewish believe that Jesus was a great teacher. But he ain't God. Right? The Hindus believe that Jesus is just one of millions of gods. The Muslims say that Jesus was a prophet. But he was never crucified on a cross. And he ain't God. The Jehovah Witness believe that Jesus was once the archangel Michael before he came to earth. In their view, just not God in the flesh. Society believes that Jesus was a great teacher, had some good ideas, but they don't believe that he's God in the flesh. They, they, they believe he's just a good teacher. He did some good things. And and we see this as they go further in verse 28. And they told him John the Baptist and others say Elijah and others say one of the prophets. We know King Herod thought that Jesus was reincarnated. Right? In Mark chapter 6 verse 14, King Herod heard of Jesus' name and had become known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. So he believed that Jesus was just reincarnated with John the Baptist. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he's Elijah, and others said he, was, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. In Elijah, you know, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you the, uh, Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And then Jeremiah is another uh, prophet that's used in Matthew chapter 16. When we look at these same verses in verse 14, it says, Some say, Uh, John the Baptist uh, others say Elijah others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets And so they believed that that Jesus was reincarnated as one of the prophets that a reincarnated prophet was going to heal Israel That's what their belief was And they admitted that Jesus was just a, a man of power, but they rejected the idea that he was Christ They were seeing him as a mortal man even in his own hometown, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Hoseas, and, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his, his sisters here with us? And, and they took offense of him. Uh, they believed that, that the Messiah, they rejected the Messiah because they were like, It, it can't be this guy, not him. And even though the miracles were happening and all the things that were, were going on, they didn't believe. People had an opinion. And that same opinion will put people on that wide road with the goats. That's where that's going to go. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, it, enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So public opinion about Jesus, the Bible eventually will, if you have this, this public opinion and you follow that public opinion, it will put you on that, ride, that wide road. That's why you're supposed to study the Bible for yourself. You're supposed to be in God's word for you. And so you can personally know him. And so let's look at that verse 29 as a personal opinion about Jesus. And he asked them, uh, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. So the disciples had been with Jesus for more than two and a half years, and no longer is it going to be about the miracles or the casting out of demons, the teaching with authority, but it's, it's him demonstrating that he is the Christ. And Jesus, as He asks this question, Peter answers it, right? Peter answers the question, and, and, but can I tell you, if you can't answer the question personally yourself, Peter ain't going to get you into heaven. And neither is Grandma or Theo or Tia. They, they don't get you into heaven just because they can answer who Jesus is, that He's my personal Savior. It doesn't save you. This is an individual question that you have to be able to answer. Who do you say that I am? That is very personal. No one speaks for you. And and, and we have to be able to, to answer that. It's, it's a question that is vital to your salvation. And it has eternal consequences. If you can't answer it, because guess what? If you don't answer it, it's answered for you. If you go, I don't believe in God, well, guess what? You have an opinion, you've answered the question. If you say, well, Jesus was just a good teacher. No, that's not it. You've answered the question. There's eternal consequences to that question. Jesus is asking us personally, like, who do you say that I am? And I love the answer that, that Peter answers. He says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the, the anointed one. The Son of the living God. The Christ of God. But Peter believed it, but who revealed it to him? It was, it was God the Father. It was God the Father. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Simon Peter, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, you, Simon uh, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God revealed it to him. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Can I tell you that drawing is, is universal? God is constantly trying to draw people to him. So if you say and and I was one of the things I listened to when Ryan Reese was saying and they were talking and there was a kid in the back that was struggling whether or not this whole thing was real. And he goes, "Look, don't you don't have to make a commitment today, but let me tell you something. If you if you want God to reveal himself to you, ask, and he will. But when he does, you need to be ready to follow." Just ask God. Say Lord I need you to reveal. Yourself to me. And God will. Whether it's through word. Whether it's through some conversation. Whether it's through prayer. Whether it's through a total stranger. God will reveal himself to you. But the question is. Is when he reveals himself to you. Are you going to follow? God It's not asking you to go well i got the stuff over here i need to work out and i'm going to take care of and then i'll come back no he just revealed himself to you you need to follow that kid ended up asking and and during i think they were there for two days at the teen challenge that kid ended up giving his life to christ and got baptized god revealed himself there was something I think on as he gave books out to everybody. As he they read the book, something on page two clicked, and God revealed Himself, and it was that quick. And so you know, if you're if you're asking the Lord to show up, like, are you real? God will God will show you, but you need to be ready to to step out in faith. And so remember now as we read this, Peter. Peter openly confessed who Jesus was, but there was one person there that didn't believe, Judas Iscariot. He never acted on his belief, but he was there for all of the ministry work. So you can be busy in ministry and never answer the question of who Jesus is personally. Personally. And, and Jesus told us that in, in John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71, as he chose the 12, he said, Jesus answered them, Do I, did I not choose the 12? And yet, one of you is the devil, is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the 12 who was going to betray him. And sadly, many Christians today, they, they'll sit in church and they'll play church. And they have both feet in the world. We talked about that last week. See, one of the things that you have to understand, and I hope you get this, because this is very important. The Bible, the Scripture, does not care about your public opinion. Okay? Because a lot of people think that their opinion is important when it comes to God's Word. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Your opinion does not matter when it comes to God's Word. So if you read something and you go, I, I don't think he means that about that. I think that's not sexual morality if I do this. That's your, that's your opinion. And you're choosing to do that sin. And so when we come to our, our, our relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the things that I pray is that if, if you're going to call Him your Savior and you're His child, then you need to let go of all that stuff that you're carrying. And what I mean is is the sexual morality and the impurity and, and all the the evil passions and desires and the covetousness that we hang on to. The anger, the wrath, the malice, all that stuff we're supposed to put off, the the, the slander, gossip, it's it's all sin. And we're supposed to put that off because I call him my Christ, my Messiah. I call him the son of God, the son of the living God, the Christ of God. And if I'm going to follow him, I need to put that stuff away for good and let it go and step out in faith. It doesn't mean that it's not going to come up every now and then. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry. You just need to confess it. He's your personal savior. Your sins have been forgiven past, present and future. But you need to to live for him. Who do you say that I am? If I'm your savior, will you live for me today? And lastly, we see the precise warning from Jesus in verse 30. It says, he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now, why does he do this? He does this because he doesn't, for the disciples, he doesn't want to raise false hopes. They were still seeing the Messiah as a political, like he's going to take over Rome and we're going to, we're going to be with him. And they weren't qualified yet to proclaim the truth. This is why they're going into that private ministry that they're going into. So he strictly, he sternly warns them and charges them sharply not to say anything. And so he, one of the things that I was looking at, it was funny because he also said that to the demons, right? In Mark chapter 3, verse 11 and 20, uh, 11 and 12. And whenever the unclean spirit saw him, they fell down uh, before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Isn't it funny? They can answer that question. A demon can answer the question, Who, are, who do you say that I am? A demon can say, You are the Son of God, and yet you can't. And he strictly ordered them not to make them known. Well, guess what? God has told you that you need to make them known. We've not been given that same order. We read that this past weekend in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. And it seems good to me to show you the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. This is a beautiful chapter in the book. You know why? This is a Babylonian king that killed people, that murdered people for fun. He just had a bunch of his mighty men get killed because he was angry. And yet God saved them. God saves them. All of chapter 4 is King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. A new believer in the Bible sharing his testimony. And who does he say that the gospel is supposed to go out to? To all peoples, to all nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Everyone. And Mark chapter 6, verse 15, tells us the same thing. And he said to them, Go, which is the command, and to all, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. To the whole creation. To the whole creation. You're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. That's what Romans 1.16 says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. And one of the verses that really stuck out to me. This past week was uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent. As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Somebody has to go out and share Christ. That's what our responsibility is together as a church. Every one of us. Every follower that says who he is my personal Savior, you've been commanded to go out and share your faith. You got to go out and share your faith. That's what we learned about that young man in the Catholicist in Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. And he, he did not permit, it, permit him, but said to him, Go. Home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has made had mercy on you. Remember, that was the guy that was filled with uh, the legions of demons. That was breaking chains. They couldn't constrain him. And yet he went away to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And we saw that the Syrophoenician woman had her daughter healed of an unclean spirit. We saw 4,000 Come and be fed by Jesus, all in Decapolis. Because somebody was willing to go out and do what Jesus told them to do, which is proclaim who I am. Tell people what happened to you. Tell people what happened to you. What does the Bible say about Jesus? It's very simply. These are some of the names of Jesus in the Bible. And it's important for us to understand this because you need to, as we go over Advent, we'll get into this a lot deeper over the next few weeks. The Bible says that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the Lion and the Lamb, the Bread, the Light, the Way, the Truth, the Shepherd, the Door, Head of the Church, the Word, the Chief Cornerstone, the Judge, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Grace, Love, Mercy, Sinless, Sacrifice, Great physician, wonderful counselor, teacher, Emmanuel, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the Christ of God. Now, who do you say that I am? That's the question you have to answer. That's the question we all have to answer. And I hope that you've made him your personal savior. Remember, that question is, is vital to your salvation. And how you answer that question determines where you spend eternity. It's that simple. And Jesus is still asking that same question today. And so what's your answer? That's that's the whole teaching in a nutshell, right? And I love this verse. It's such a simple passage, right? And Caesarea Philippi and all that false gods and false worship and detestable acts that were being done. And here he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. And yet, he's, this is where he asks the question. And, and honestly, this is the question that we need to answer today. Um, today is communion. And so, communion is for believers. And so, if you're, I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and walk you through The prayer so if you're watching online or if you get this through the the podcast and you haven't made the choice of who uh, who Jesus is who do you say that I am I want to give you the opportunity to be able to do that Um, and at the same time it it tells us in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will believe you will be saved for uh, with the heart one believes and it's justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. We have to make that choice. And to receive Christ, we have to admit that we're a sinner, uh, that we've sinned, that we've lied, that we've, man, I can think, I can remember five, six years old lying and you know, all. I was a little sinner. you know. I stole, I think, when I was seven or eight. I probably ran through the commandments pretty quickly up until 17. So uh, we have to admit that we're a sinner. And we need a Savior. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we ask for forgiveness. We need to be willing to turn away from our sins. We believe that Christ has died on the cross and was resurrected. And we ask Jesus into our heart. We and we, Something I always say is just to make him Lord of your life. Um, and, and so if you want to do that, if you're watching online or you catch this later, let's just go ahead and pray this prayer together. If you all want to bow your heads with me and we'll pray this prayer. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in my heart you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be my Lord and Savior. Be the Lord of my life and help me do your will daily. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.